Hey, I'm Derek. And I'm Noah. And you're listening to A Bite Of. Where we take our current favorite pop culture obsession and we enjoy it one nibble at a time. One nibble. Today's nibble. Ooh. Halfway through Loki. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) I didn't realize that until this moment. Halfway. Because we're still only getting six episodes for these uh, series. It's yeah. so funny that sometimes it's six, sometimes it's eight, sometimes it's ten. I don't understand these streaming services and how they decide. They are experimenting. Constantly. We'll see where they go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we are talking about third episode of Loki. Lots to talk about. We're halfway done. Mm, lots of thoughts. Lots of lots of horny things happening. Also Fl- flirting. Lots of flirting. Mm. Lots of fingertips. Lots of eye stuff. <laughs> Lots of winking. You know what you can do with your fingertips? I don't want to answer that question. (laughs) So we're on a mission to get 200 reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, uh, just because they both have stars. If you don't have a lot of stars or reviews, they're like, what are you doing? You're not doing this. We've been doing this too long to not have 200 reviews. We've been doing this over three years. Yeah. And we always forget to ask for reviews and stuff, you know, so we're hitting the ground running. We really want those reviews. So help us out. Throw some stars at us. Just Please do. Scroll down, do the stars and, you know, we'll love you. Yeah. <laughs> Kisses to you. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, Program reminders. So we're actually going to double up next week. Oh. Fall of the House of Usher. We're doing two parts. Episodes one through four and then five through eight. That's how that works. Yes. <laughs> yes. It sounds wrong, but it's right. It is right. So those are your programming reminders. We have Loki episode four next week and first part of the fall of House Usher. Do you think that we would forget the Flaniverse? We Absolutely love the Flaniverse. And don't you think that I am not being scarred by the fall of the House of Usher? Because I surely am. Yeah, it's very scarring. But, you know, this house was built in the Flana house. So... <laughs> We got to pay our dues with the Flanniverse. <laughs> right, it's the second property we we covered ever. Yeah, Bly Manor. It was the it was the first non book mm-hmm. that we ever covered. Yeah. So we're doing our due diligence. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Shall we take a look back? Yes. All right. So let's take a look back at Loki season two, episode two, Breaking Brad. Really excited I got that out. Loki and Mobius travel to a movie premiere in London where they have tracked down Hunter X5, a.k.a. Brad Wolf. A chase ensues where Loki gets to flex his god of mischief muscles. They take in the time-hopping Hunter to the TVA to interrogate him on Sylvie's whereabouts. They finally squeeze the information out of him after some mind games and pie and track Sylvie to her local McDonald's franchise. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Broken Brad breaks the news that Dox is about to cleanse the sacred timeline of all of its branches. Unfortunately, they arrive a little too late and Dox massacres mm, millions of variant lives. The temporal loom is about to unweave and Obi shares that they need he who remains aura to stop all of time from imploding. You know, I gotta say, good job. Thanks. That's a lot of like sci-fi lingo and names and you did it. As I was writing it, it just kept going. I Mm. got through all the Brad stuff. I'm like, that was the episode. Oh no, there was something else. Yeah. (laughs) So thank you for that. (laughs) You're welcome. All right, so Spoiler. spoiler. Yeah, we don't want to prune you. Go watch episode three. It's out there. Watch it. Come back. And then, you know, 
yell at us for not mentioning the thing you wanted us to mention. <laughs> that one detail that you thought everybody should talk about. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let us officially take a bite of Loki season two, episode three, 1893. 1893. Um, what a year. You know, think back. Great year. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> what was the name of that? That Netflix show that we watched, 1899, <laughs> six years away. <laughs> so close. So, so close, close to getting a season of a show that we'll never get again. Nope. Oh. They're just in space. Spoiler alert. Freaking ruined. <laughs> <laughs> ruined. All right. So initial thoughts. We are halfway through season two of Loki. How are you feeling? We have three more episodes. This is midway point. Give me, the, give me, give me those thoughts. Okay. In general... Season two, I'm enjoying it. So let me preface it with that. Oh, great. It feels different than season one. I feel like season one had, was a timeline and we just plotted points on that timeline, right? It was one arc of a story. So far, these first three episodes, they feel like very separate chapters. Granted, they do connect, but they feel very different. I don't know, like, are you feeling that way at all? Um. Yes and no. I think we're going to a lot of different places and there's a lot of yeah. people in different areas and there's a lot more title cards at the bottom of mm. like, this is where this is. This is a branch timeline. This is a sacred timeline. So yes, mm-hmm. but I like it. No, I, I like it as well. I feel like it's like speedy, right? It's yeah. like, we're going to a lot of places, but yeah. like we still have a lot of things that need to be fixed. So we'll see if they get them fixed. Yeah. And this episode in particular, um, I thought was really fun. I felt like it was giving like Aladdin. I felt <laughs> there was just like a lot of scampering around. Okay. You know what I mean? Like going in compartments <laughs> and hiding from people. It was like riff raff street rat. You know what I mean? I was like, where are they going to pop out from next? It was giving me like ex machina a little bit. Okay. Right. Okay. Like the AI is going to like, I don't know, be real creepy and like kill everyone. And also sexy. Very true. Also sexy. We have a lot of um in the in the Venn diagram of Loki and and Ex Machina, it's sexy AI. That's right. Miss Minutes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm very much liking it. I think this one, you know, if we're comparing the first season to this one, episode three of the first season was Lamentous One. That's probably one of my favorite episodes of this series as a whole. And I really liked this one. I thought technically it was a interestingly shot episode music fun. I can't like not talk about Natalie Holt every single episode because this one, she, the second season, they're like, Hey, can you like every episode, depending on where they're going, just like change the entire feel of the music, but keep it the same. And not only that, they're like, hey, do the Marvel fanfare, but in ragtime. Yeah. First of all, I want to say that I believe my husband has a crush on Natalie Holt. It's his fave. Um, but I- Can I just say also, like, to say yes, I do, <laughs> because she is the person that on Britain's Got Talent pelted Simon Cowell with eggs, and she wasn't even performing. <laughs> I mean, what a wild spirit. I love her. <laughs> yeah, but I, I I agree that I thought that starting right from the moment that that Marvel fanfare started, it launched us to exactly where we were going. Mm. And that's where we start, right? We start with Renslayer stepping out and being in the past. Yeah, I liked that they, we finally got to the, the answer of where Renslayer went at the end of season one. And her she is tasked, Miss Minutes and her are tasked to bring a TVA official handbook 
to a very young Victor Timely. And I, at first, it took a second watch to understand what was happening mm -hmm. because when she goes there, it's like uh, 1860 something, I think 62. Um, and then when she goes back into 1893, it's a branch timeline. So they change the course of this little tiny Victor Timely's life and try to put him on a certain path. So I thought that was a really unique way to tell the story. And that essentially created a variant of mm -hmm. Kang slash he who remains. So I thought that was, that was pretty clever. Yeah, it is very clever. And not to get too into the weeds too early on. It's like, I have two, I'm branching. My timeline is branching. <laughs> I feel like I have so many questions about Renslayer. Mm. I have so many questions why she is listening to Miss Minutes in this moment. What is it about this path that feels more right to her than what, say, Mobius is doing? I also wonder, so it's interesting. So them dropping off the TVA guidebook or handbook created a branch. It's almost like starting Victor Timely on his journey earlier. But on the sacred timeline, when does he actually do all these things and how is it going to change it now that he knows it earlier? It's like, what is he who remains plan of starting this when he was just a little boy? I think we'll find out. And I, I'm not sure if it's going to be for the benefit of what he who remains, because when you mess with stuff like this, you can't, you can't really plan that well to hopefully like they make every single decision that you hope to get them to where you want to be because his whole thing, he, he who remains told Sylvie, like, I'll be back. And I don't know if that necessarily meant like his version variant going there or like a variant in general, mm. because the whole reason why he has the sacred timeline is to stop the multiversal war. Right. And keep all those Kings at bay. I, you know, I, I'm not sure what Renslayer's motives exactly are, or they're just as simple as like, I'm order. Like, I mm. need to do this stuff. Sylvie tells her at the end, all you want is power. You want to see it at the end of time. Here you go. But I think it might go deeper than that, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I guess we can, we're already talking about her, so let's talk about her now. Is there something to where, so Miss Minutes knows a secret about her, right? And that's the end of this episode, and it's going to make her angry. Do you think it might be plausible that she was with He Who Remains at some point, and her memory got wiped from that or maybe she's a variant of kang or you know it's like a loki silly situation going on but i think it's more plausible to say that like maybe they were actually together so getting that comic accuracy going because we have that recording from the first episode that loki heard where kang is saying you know this partnership to renslayer so but he doesn't like partnerships right so. and we know that he doesn't do partners so it does seem like the secret that Miss Minutes knows is that he double-crossed Renslayer and that he played her all along and just erase her memory. <laughs> Give her some sort of power that she thinks, but in reality, it wasn't supposed to be he who remains. It was supposed to be we who remains. <laughs> but I love and that. And then he changed it. Exactly. He just said, e, he was on a dry erase board. E, e, e. Um, There's I, still an E. <laughs> I love that, uh, that just that kind of theory that maybe she's a variant of he who remains. You never know. I think that's really cool. I would really like that, actually. There's a Sylvie Loki. There can't be a Ravona right. he who remains. And maybe he knew that the Renslayer, he who remains, would have actually risen to power. So to stop it, he pruned her. Could be. That would be cool. Yeah. Marvel, 
Get in there. Do a little edit. <laughs> yeah. Make, I, make that it. So we'll we'll circle back to her once we get to the the parts towards the end. Um this episode, I loved the way it looked, right? It was just fun, like the bowler hats and that like ragtime feel. And, and it felt sepia, like everything was sepia tone. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Yeah. But Mobius and Loki kind of take a backseat a little bit in this episode. And I didn't mind it. They were Agreed. still there. They had amazing scenes, but I liked that we hadn't seen Kang or Miss Minutes or Ravona this whole time so far. So we had to sit with them. Yeah. Just a little bit. So I just want to put this out there. My wish uh-huh. <laughs> is that <laughs> Mobius and Loki fall in love. Uh, okay. I know it. I, look. It's just where I wanted to go. We've had this conversation off the podcast <laughs> yeah. a few times and I'm not for it. And Derek is. Let me, let me tell you about this. Okay. <laughs> this first date. Okay. <laughs> Cracker Jacks. Take in a show. Listen to some nice music. Ride a bike together. Tandem bike. Tandem. At some point they go on a boat. <gasps> Rome isn't this romantic. I don't think they took a boat. They probably just took a time door. Oh yeah, maybe. But anyway, I just think in my little theory that they smooch at some point, this was their first date. They had Cracker Jack together. Mm, Caramel corn. I just think that they love each other, but in like a platonic way, which I'd be fine with either way. Or more. (laughs) (laughs) Miss Minutes is getting to you. (laughs) Oh, girl. Let me, oh, let's not get into her because I'm feeling her. I am loving every minute of her. Some would say you ticked your boxes. <laughs> I am not ticked off that we're getting so much Miss Minutes. I definitely missed Miss Minutes. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I really enjoyed the scene of their first date, as you put it, of them being at the World's Fair in Chicago in uh, 1893. There's too many dates going around now. But the scene with them eating that Cracker Jack popcorn and Loki just being like, it takes like ash. Like, he just doesn't like sweets, except for key lime pie. He was ruining their moment. <laughs> and I I too love, though, Mobius is kind of like, look, we're just different people. Yeah. <laughs> okay? I like to take things slow and really take it in, and you're just a go-getter. And I like that about you. But in this moment, have a bite of the caramel corn. I love that he, you know, they could have done things a little faster and tracked a little more. But Mobius was like, I like heard about this place and I want to see this place. So we're just going to like ask around and go places. I liked him like doing the scenic route. And isn't it kind of interesting, right? In the last episode, he had that whole kind of interrogation confrontation with Brad, where Brad is like, don't you want to know what it was like? Don't you want to have experienced life? And in this moment, we see him taking it slower, actually taking it in and experiencing it. So You know, I almost wonder, did that rub off on him and make him be like, hmm, I'm out of the TVA right now. Maybe I need to see what is out there. Yeah, maybe. And with his best pal, Loki. And love interest. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) You know, watch, it's going to happen. And I'm just going to be like, yeah, you're right. Fine, fine, fine. I'm not asking for much. Just a little smooch. (laughs) Maybe... Give me the bisexual side. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. We made it canonically bisexual. Give me the action. Not for much, just a, I'll miss you. <laughs> Smooch. So I, there was an Easter egg in here hmm. that in this particular scene, when they're at the fair walking and they see these wooden statues of Odin, Thor, and Boulder the Brave. And I loved that they include Boulder, not Loki, but Boulder, because it almost felt like a dig at Marvel Studios. So did you know 
I was very excited about this, and you'll know why. During Multiverse of Madness, instead of Reed Richards, so John Krasinski's Reed Richards, it was actually supposed to be Boulder the Brave. And who was going to play him? <gasps> Daniel Craig. <gasps> oh, So I would have had James Bond in the MCU. Benoit himself? Mm-hmm. Costume designer has been interviewed. They're like, yeah, we had costumes. He was ready to go. Daniel Craig was going to do it. And then there were scheduling conflicts and everything that happened. So he didn't get it. He was also cut from another scene. And it's just like this whole long list of like Boulder just never made it into anything, but he was right there. So I liked that. Like Loki was like, nobody knows who he is. It's like, yeah, nobody does because they wouldn't he allow was never him. never in it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a nod to the popularity of Boulder's Gate 3. <laughs> <laughs> they knew. <laughs> um, listen, they're time jumping. They know. It's Marvel. We'll take that too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that, though. That's kind of a bummer that Daniel Craig wasn't in the MCU. But it's like we got like John Krasinski's Reed Richards. I love the Fantastic Four. Mm. The people that are watching this like next to me this way, I literally have the Fantastic Four comics They're on the beautiful. wall. I'll show our Patreon members. I'll, I'll show you. Um, so I loved it. Right. But, mm-hmm. you know, I love Daniel Craig because I love James Bond. So. I have a question. OK. Who is Boulder the Great in Marvel? The Brave. Marvel. Sorry. Who is... <laughs> Edit, edit, edit. <laughs> who is, I know it's alliteration. I should, who is Balder the Brave in Marvel? Is he just another god? He's a brother. He's a brother. Got yeah. it, got it, got it, got it. So they they were like, no, don't add more of them. It's just going to confuse the normies, I guess. So they no. said, but they brought Hela. I don't know. And give him a child. Yeah. <laughs> but not another brother. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Sorry. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So Victor Timely. Mm. Jonathan, we finally get that scene from Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. We did a review on that. It's going to be down below in the show notes if you want to, you know, listen to that. Um, <laughs> but so we finally got that scene from the end credit scene of Victor Timely. And we saw Mobius and Loki in that scene. And we get the extended version of it. Oh, my God. I completely forgot about that. Yeah, it was here. Um, so Victor Timely is a con man. That's what he is. He's an inventor and he's very smart. But he's still a con man. He still doesn't have like the resources, like the the. I think he says in this that like his ideas and everything are further advanced than what he can actually obtain. Right. So I think that's interesting for him to just be like, I'm going to make these things, but just charge an assload of money for him <laughs> from like mechanical pants that make you, I guess, go taller to creating a temporal loom or temporal marvel to power the entire planet. But it doesn't actually work. <laughs> Although it does shoot electricity everywhere. And Messy. I really thought that someone was going to get burnt in the eye, but <laughs> they all survived. I loved the scene of the man confronting him about the pants because when he comes to him, VT just starts lowering himself to be like, what do you mean? Yeah. You actually are taller. That I want to say, so I, Jonathan Majors, I think I actually like this performance more than I liked his King the Conqueror performance in Ant-Man and the Wasp. I thought Hmm. it was good, but this one, there's just something about his performance here where like, it's those little things that he does or like the, his um, tempo of speech and how he presents himself and how, when he was on stage, he was just so like charismatic and acting like an inventor. But then when he has those quiet moments with Verona, he's very sweet and kind of, I'm taking this all in. And experiencing it. I don't, I just, I really liked his performance. It's here. like the showman versus the regular man. And mm-hmm. he has to put it on to sell it. And then who he actually is behind the scenes. I could go, I go either way with sort of the, the tempo of his speech. Sometimes it feels like too much 
to me. Uh, but I do think in the quieter moments, like you mentioned, it works a little more. It gives a little more like gravity to what he's saying, or like you kind of sit and listen to yeah. what he's saying. I can see what I can see what Majors is doing with the character. He's really creating the character. This is Victor Timely. This is how this con man speaks when he's presenting. I get it. I just, sometimes I felt like the delivery felt forced, but I, I liked taking that chance. I just think that you don't like people from the 1800s. Yeah, because they're homophobic. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to fight me? 1800s. Very true. Right? Very true. Yeah. I mean, fair. People are homophobic today too, so. <laughs> yeah, so I... I enjoyed his performance. I enjoy what he's doing with the character because who knows how many variants or versions of Kang. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've seen there was three that had like speak three that had speaking roles in the council of Kang. We had Kang the conqueror. We had he who remains. We had Victor timely. So, so far we've gotten like six at least. And they all do feel very different. They all feel different, not just look, but they all feel different. So I see, I see why, you know, he's doing what he's doing. He's playing around. He's having fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the, my favorite scene in this entire thing, um, not necessarily Loki and Mobius getting on the tandem bike, because I thought that was just very cute, um, was the Ferris wheel scene. Mm. So Sylvie, I guess, was tracking them the whole time because she just appears out of nowhere so you have Mobius and Loki trying to get Victor Timely to the TVA. Also, Miss Minutes and Ravona trying to get him to the TVA. <laughs> Every time I say Miss Minutes, he looks at the camera. <laughs> and then you have Sylvie that just wants to kill him. So it's like Ravona and Miss Minutes want him for another reason. Loki just wants to save the universe and the multiverse. And then Sylvie just wants to destroy it all. It's a problem. <laughs> But it makes them for some great conflict. The technicality that they had to do to shoot that fight inside of that Ferris wheel car while it's moving. Now, granted, I don't think they built that giant Ferris wheel, but they still built that car, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. To like move in a certain way. And then they had like line work going in there where when Sylvie lifts him up and he still had to go. It's just camera going in and out of that car. It's so cool. Loved I, it. Yeah, I'm really loving seeing more Loki Sylvie magic. Oh, yeah. Right. Even I, just glowy hands. The glowy hands. It makes and And like I said before, I mean, I was kind of joking, but everything f- is definitely lit differently in this episode. Feels a little darker, feels a little older. So when they are glowing green, it really stands out. And so that fight in the Ferris wheel where they're going at it. I mean, it is so interesting, right, that they're so the two of them are so passionate mm-hmm. and they each have something that they want to accomplish, yet they're willing to talk to each other. <laughs> yeah, they still love each <laughs> they're other. They're going to work through it, Yeah, and they respect each other. And I just think that dynamic is really interesting. And meanwhile, they're just throwing Victor Timely around the entire time. <laughs> the poor guy. Like, when he when Loki made the floatingness stop, I don't know if it's telekinesis or whatever, um, when he fell, he was just like, <laughs> <laughs> He just fell to yeah. his knees. I was like, this poor guy. Yeah. But we, right after the scene where, you know, they are taking him away, we get the giant ghost clock of Miss Minutes. Stay Puff Marshmallow Miss Minutes. I want to say I love the added touch of them making her old timey, like yes. black and white. Yes. And I really like to, it felt very Steamboat Willie, right? Mm-hmm. And her, it almost looked hand drawn more than like just the animated style it was because the circle wasn't perfect it looked like somebody like did this and it's not quite perfect it's just like 
really small details that they pay attention in the show. And I don't think a lot of MCUs like have that meticulous attention. Even the way, so first of all, I want to point out her shoes just because they're cute. They look like little elf shoes yeah. when she's the 1930s version. But even the way her eyes move, it almost feels like a cat clock. Right. Because it's it's very staggered. It's not as fluid as our orange Miss Minutes. So You can only tell where she's looking by the glare part that's yeah. on the eye. Yeah, I um. just thought it was so well done. And this Miss Minutes character is becoming something really, really interesting because it is that very much that fear of when the AI knows too much, you know, and like it's now exactly. It's like, they're going to take over because they know everything about us. They have all the information and she can kind of manipulate things. Mm. So, you know, she's much more than just a computer program. Yeah. So I think the, the biggest part of this episode, right. Is where we're kind of hinting at we Touched it on the beginning, but let's get to like the boat and beyond. So and beyond <laughs> the, or I guess the his like house and that boat. But I, the second that Ravona and uh, Victor Timely and Miss Minutes were in his initial place where we meet, and she sits in that chair, and the way he like moves the chair with her in it, and is telling her about it, and she's so like present in the moment. That's what makes me think that even though her memory was erased, just like Mobius, just like some of the other people, there's still that underlying like pool towards that thing that was lost. Mm -hmm. And you can tell she just feels so comfortable. Like she's willing to let herself just be in that moment with him. It was, it was really sweet, but also a little heartbreaking to see because if he did erase his memory, that's her memory. That's fucked up. Also, I don't think it's going to end well, regardless if they try to pursue this partnership. Mm -hmm. It, it very much is sort of a question of free will versus fate, right? So no matter what, will they always be fated to be together? And no matter what, will he always double cross her? Cause even in this episode, he trusts miss minutes and throws her overboard. Yeah, Ravona. Ravona. Yeah. Right. So it feels like here we are again, where, you know, of this theory that we're talking about, he's always going to choose to be by himself. He's always going to lead her on to a point and then he'll get rid of her. And I wonder if that's just because of Miss Minutes, right? So like she she's more like encouraging that behavior so she can try to get him to herself. And, you know, as we see, he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa no, no, no. I still don't want to be with you either. But it is interesting. It, maybe it's just something that's always in him in all the variants where it's like, I have to do it. I have to be the best one. I'm going to go back in my timeline and help the past me so that we all can be the best versions of ourselves in all the timelines. But I'm the best version of it. Isn't it so interesting that he who remains, who is so against variants in this plan, is putting all of his hope in a variant of himself? to do whatever it is that he's I mean, trying to com complete. That's the thing, right? That's the thing that makes Kang Kang is that there's always going to be another one of him. Mm -hmm. How are you supposed to get rid of them all? You, you can't. It's. I'm interested to see where Victor Timely goes and exactly what that means. But you you did mention like the nat the fate versus nature and stuff. And it begs the question of like nature versus nurture, the burden of glorious purpose. What is free will? And I loved that. You know, in the ending scene, we'll just get to Sylvie because I we're talking about this point. But I loved that when she was presented finally with the thing of 
he's saying, you don't know me. You don't know the heart that's in me. I'm not, I didn't do anything wrong. It's exactly what she was saying in the first season. She got plucked from that timeline because they were like, she's a Loki. We have to take her out. Even though she did nothing, she was a child. So it's like, I'm glad her character developed in that way that she's still able to be like, okay, you know what? I'm going to let this one go. Mm -hmm. Don't fuck it up, but I'm not going to kill him this time. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that was really hard for her because her whole mission has always been to destroy him. And so as she told Loki in the last episode, if a variant of him ever pops up, I'm going to kill him. So she's faced with a dilemma here. And now the ultimate thought of, I've let him go, but was that the right thing to do? Right. I guess we'll find out if it was. Well, seeing that we have a whole Kang arc coming up, (laughs) I'm thinking it was the wrong thing to do. Yeah, unless it's not him. Mm. And then it's another one. So that's my... This is like a a branch timeline here. But so like OB in this episode in the beginning had talked about how, of course, we had to mention him in this episode, how we keep it out. Um, had talked about how the the timelines are growing again. There's more branches. So the whole threat of the loom not being able to handle that load anymore, that's why they have to go get Victor to get the temporal aura, right? So the whole reason for there being one timeline is so that way there's not kings in a multiversal war. So if it's going to continue to grow, it makes sense in like why we're heading to Kang Dynasty, because there's a lot of timelines and branches, mm, mm. there's a lot of Kangs. So if something happens to Victor Timely in this part, I'm kind of scared for the next one that's going to come. <laughs> yeah, and I think so right at the end of this episode, they go through the time door and they're going to the TVA. But what happens once they get Timely in the TVA? He went in first. Right, and it also, though, makes me think about kind of those suspicions you had about OB. You know, it's, I mean, I want OB to be good through and through, but there is something to be said about him being the only one that knows what will stop the loom from falling apart. And he's pushing so fiercely to have, you know, he who remains be there. So it, it just feels kind of sketchy that we're getting a variant of he who remains back at the TVA. The One of the last things I'll say on OB that we were not like making an OB episode, but this, the more I watched this season, right? OB wasn't, OB wasn't mentioned in the first season. And that could just be because the writers and like that wasn't developed yet. Fine. But there was no mention of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's think about that. We also know that variants can look and be anybody. So is it plausible that OB is just a variant of Kang as well? So there's already a variant there and whatever reason he might want another variant to be there. I don't know. I feel like that's a far-fetched theory, but Ouroboros, time going, eating yourself, kind of what Kang does. He goes back to make himself better to then go forward. I don't know. There's a lot of symbolism here. I'm curious, but Mm. I hope he's good. I hope he's good as well. Or he just stays in the MCU. Either way. Right. Bad stays, good stays. Always there. (laughs) Like, Eternity, like yeah. infinity. I, I will say that I wish, you know, I I hope that B-15 gets to leave the TVA. I hope she has a bigger part in these next coming episodes, yeah, too. because yeah. I feel like she's kind of just, like, 
someone they talk to every once in a while. Like, why couldn't she have gone with them? She needs to keep order. That's it's, it's, there's only Casey and OB. What are they doing? Little baby Casey. Yeah. <laughs> he knows how to talk to people. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do think that I'm hoping that she gets to leave and we get to see more of her because I really like her as a character. I agree. And I think that she deserves a little more than sort of two lines every episode. Almost like the man in the chair because they're always like, have Hunter B-15 track, have, you know, do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hope because the one time she was in the last episode when she took out Brad or at least hit him and she looked flawless doing it. I want more. Yeah, I agree. So this final scene, <sighs> Miss Minutes time? Yeah, I think, we, what, we were like, we're 30 minutes in? Yeah. I think it's time for Miss Minutes. Right? It's gotta be. Miss Minutes, this whole episode. I loved the progression of her side eye, of her calling Ravona out multiple times. It got progressively more aggressive the closer they got to where, like, Miss Minutes wanted him to be. I, you know, I love her as a character. I don't trust her for a damn second. She could be the villain of this entire season. I don't trust her at all, but I love her. I love every minute of her. I, well, first of all. Second time you did that joke. Uh, it's not a joke. It's a true thing. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was really rude of Renslayer to take credit for dropping off the handbook. Well, she did drop it off. If it wasn't for Miss Minutes, she wouldn't have known anything. Why couldn't Miss Minutes just, she can touch tangible things. Why didn't Miss Minutes just take the little handbook and put it there? Too heavy. Yeah, okay. Too heavy, she's just a baby. Then get bigger. Look, I'm not Don't I'm not fighting. her. I'm not fighting with you. I'm just saying <laughs> that she deserves a little more respect, and they really made her feel like a third wheel, and she didn't deserve that. Renslayer? No, they made Miss Minutes feel like a third oh, wheel. No, see, okay. So, they were touching fingers on the boat and they were just like, mm. Yeah, well, her, she's terrifying, right? Because she is like this sentient AI, can make her own programming. She's like Ultron. She's like Vision. She's this entity that's come to life from being made. All she wants is a body. She just wants a body and she wants her boo, Victor Timely or Kang or He Who Remains or one of them. She'll take any of them at this point, I think. She does not care. She's terrifying for getting on that mannequin's face and for just her saying, like, I could have been your girl. I, like, I... (laughs) She said, don't you want to give me a body, baby? (laughs) She said, I'm going to go from black and white to red all over. (laughs) (laughs) She blushed. She blushed. I don't... I, I do think that she is an entity to be feared, yeah. right? Because she does know everything. She doesn't like necessarily, I mean, granted she's a computer, but I feel like she doesn't have that memory to be wiped. She well, knows no. everything. Yeah. And I think that she can kind of, with the flick of one of her hands, kind of shut down things if she wants to. So I agree. She is someone to be feared, but now she is with Renslayer again and they both have chips on their shoulder. Yeah, I I still, you know, I think Renslayer, I feel like she's going to turn, right? Because there was a couple times in this episode where Mobius was like, come with us and help us fix this thing. Fix this thing that you're saying that you did thanklessly for eons. Like, help us do this thing. And she's like, no, no, no. So I feel like there's hinting that, like, it's in her head that she's going to have to go back. I don't trust that Miss Minutes is going to be, like, cool with her especially after that because she's the one that ditched her in the first place that's not gonna happen oh yeah and she's already like 
everybody is just a pawn in Miss Minutes chess game that she loves so much. So she knows to give Renslayer this secret to fire her up to then get what she ultimately wants, which I'm curious though, what does Miss Minutes want now? Body. Like, I think that's like her main thing, right? Because she can do anything and be anybody. It's it's just like Ultron. Ultron wanted like the perfect body. He wanted the perfect world. Vision got a body. He wanted to have that perfect life. And I think Miss Minutes is now at that point. She's lived longer than those two. I think she wants a body. So what does that actually mean? I'm scared to know what that means, but I think it's kind of fun to entertain the thought of like, can she possibly be the villain for one of the Avengers movies coming up? Like imagine if Miss Minutes is the big bad for Avengers Secret Wars. <laughs> Secret is your time is up. It would like almost make sense because if they're doing Secret Wars of like this multiversal war, right? Who could bring in all of those variants of all of our heroes or whatever it is? Miss Minutes, because I don't know who would likely do it. She's like, I don't get a body. I'm going to destroy everything. But you know? yeah, I, I would love that. The more Miss Minutes, the happier <laughs> I am. I uh, also think that there's a missed opportunity to do something with uh, zombie he who remains that's sitting in that chair. <laughs> so the final moments of this episode, I, you know, Mobius looking back at Renslayer when he leaves them with Sylvia was kind of sad because they have a connection. Even though Ravona's like hot for Kang and his variants. Uh, I again have to applaud Sylvie for not killing the person that ruined her life, but I love where she put her. Mm-hmm. She said, Oh, you want power and you want a seat at the end of time. Okay, here you go. Also go stare at the, the man that I killed before just decaying, decomposing while the Citadel is just falling apart around them. Unfortunately, Miss Minutes is with them. So I, and she has a temp pad, so I don't think she's going to be there long. Mm-hmm. But I think for her character, it's good for her to see that. It's good for her to see, like, this is what could happen. Right. And also, this is this is what you've been protecting for so right. long. And what does that mean? So, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, Renslayer really had a journey in this episode. And I'm really interested to see where she goes. Yeah. So, I think the biggest questions we have now going into the second half of the season is, what are Renslayer and Miss Minutes going to do? I don't even think really together, but separately. Like, what is the end game here? What is going to happen when Victor Timely goes to the TVA? Also, just thinking about the visual of, like, Victor Timely, who looks like somebody from the 1800s, going into this, like, 70s future sci-fi looking place. The visual just kind of seems cool. Like, I'm very excited just to see that. Um, but so is he going to be able to fix it? Is his device going to be able to help OB with what he needs? Big questions here. Mm-hmm. Also, where's docs? Where's Brad? Okay. I do want to, I want to make a correction because Derek told me at the end of the second time we recorded Loki that judge docs is not a judge. She's a general. So the two, t- two episodes that I said, judge docs, just pretend I didn't because I'm not going to edit it out. <laughs> She's it's, already out, it's already out in the world. She could be a judge. It's fine. Maybe both. Yeah. Why not? But, um, but so that's, you know, again, it's kind of this thought of how are these three episodes, you know, going to come together to continue the rest of the season? We got these new characters. Where are they going to take us? You know, so I'm, I'm really kind of curious to see what all that beginning stuff l- is leading to. 
Yeah, I, I correct. Because we have three episodes, right? And so what is exactly going to happen? We still need to figure out who pruned Loki at the end of episode one. And it does seem like we still need the jet ski scenes that we've seen in the trailer. And, and he's time slipping during that. So I'm mm. curious if he starts time slipping again. Mm. I don't know. See. Another question. Um, when Sylvie gets to uh, the lab and she kind of explodes everyone, when Loki's getting up, do you consider that a Loki hair flip? <laughs> Comment below. Because I said Loki hair flip and Noah was like, sort of. And I was like, sort of. Yeah, because he didn't do his whole like neck breaking thing. Yeah. It was just kind of like he did it. And then Tom Hiddleston himself was like, oh, this is a hair flip moment. And then halfway hesitated. Yeah. And did it. So, I mean, we didn't get one last episode. So sad. So if we have to say it's one just to have one in this episode, then maybe I'll let it slide. He was achy because he just got blown up. So he couldn't do a full hair flip. Mm, Okay. So on Spotify... We have Q&As and polls that you can do. The question for this episode is going to be, do you consider that a Loki hair flip? And tell me, let's convince convince the masses that it was, if you think it was. If it wasn't, say no. (laughs) That's how polls work. (laughs) It's a QA, and a not a poll. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Sorry, Sorry, everyone. (laughs) So, episode four. Very exciting. Here we go. Over the hump. Second half. All right, so see you next week. Where will we end up? Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to A Bite Of, artwork and editing by our own Noah. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at A Bite Of Pod and on Facebook at A Bite Of. If you have any questions, recommendations, or just want to say hi, you can contact us on abiteofpod.com. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review to spread the word. See you next time on A Bite Of. Bye.